Well, I've got a series of things that I want you to uh, choose from. If you had to pick between these things, uh, which would you choose? Okay, so here's the first one. Uh, Colgate toothpaste or McLean's? Okay, some of you choose one, some the other. Uh, Or what about this one? A choice between a new car or a round-the-world holiday worth around the same amount. Okay, hard to choose that one, isn't it? Pretty good options, both of them. Okay, so for those choices, some of you would choose one thing, some of you would choose another. I'm going to make it easier for you now. Uh, What if you had to choose between jumping into the ring and going three rounds with a professional boxer or going on a picnic with friends? Okay, no worries. All right, my last one. Choosing between a bucket of cow manure or a plate of your favourite dessert. Now, for those last two, it's pretty easy, isn't it? You know, there's no point even asking because there's no comparison. Uh, One's so far and away more preferable than the other that it's not even worth comparing. The verses we're looking at this morning are like this. Uh, There's Jesus and then there's everything else. And God wants us to know that compared to Jesus, everything else is like a bucket of cow manure. There's no comparison. He's that valuable. And we're to consider everything else as rubbish compared to Christ. We're to make decisions daily that say, Christ is more important to me than anything else. And we're to do this so that we'll stand firm in Christ. Remember that Philippians chapter 3 is all about standing firm in the Lord. In our verses this morning, we stand firm in Christ because he surpasses everything else. We wouldn't turn our backs on Christ for anything. Let's take a look at how Paul shows us this. We're up to verse 8 this morning. Last week, hopefully you'll recall, in our verses 1 to 7, we heard Paul dismiss his Jewish heritage You know, while he's being from the right tribe, brought up in the right school, keeping the right commandments, Paul's voluntarily given all of that up. He's lost it all because it counts for nothing when it comes to being one of God's people. But if that wasn't enough, from verse 8, Paul now amps it up a whole new level because now it's not just his Jewish heritage that he counts as lost, it's everything. Absolutely everything is considered as loss because compared to Christ, everything else is just like rubbish. Look at it with me there from verse 7. Verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, that's his Jewish heritage, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish. Compared to Christ, compared to knowing Christ, everything is as rubbish. The word used for rubbish here is that of worthless, unwanted refuse. It can be even used to refer to excrement. And Paul considers all things as manure compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ. And as I mentioned last week, when we get to verse 17, we'll hear Paul urge us to follow his example. The Lord Jesus is to have this kind of hold on us too. That there's nothing at all in this world that even comes remotely close to being how precious Jesus is to us. 
So I want you to think of what would be your worst nightmare to lose. What would be absolutely catastrophic if it was taken away from you? Is it a person? Someone you just can't dream of being without? Is it a thing? Something seriously valuable? Maybe a pet? What's in your life that just thinking about losing it sends a shiver up your spine? It would be your worst nightmare. Paul is saying that it's like manure. Whatever you just thought of, compared to Christ, it's rubbish. I'm hoping that my wife was thinking of me when I said what would be your worst nightmare to lose... And to Catherine, I should be like a bucket of cow manure compared to Jesus. Not that I am excrement, but that compared to Christ, I'm as rubbish. Compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, Paul says, I consider all things rubbish. Now at the end, we'll think more about what it means to consider all things as rubbish and how we foster that kind of thinking. But for now, this is a serious allegiance to Christ, isn't it? Being convinced that compared to him, everything is as rubbish. This is not having a bit of Jesus on the side. It's not coming to church on a Sunday and then kind of forgetting about him for the rest of the week. Paul is way beyond the language of fitting Jesus into your life like he's some kind of hobby. It's not even the language of making Jesus the king over the rest of your life. It's losing your life so that all you have left is Christ. Now, what is it about the Lord Jesus that makes him so valuable? Why would we consider all things as rubbish compared to him? Well, that's what Paul goes on to flesh out for us. And from the end of verse 8, Paul says that we value Christ this highly in order to gain him, so that we'll get him, have him, be found in him. We don't want to miss out on Christ, and so we consider everything as rubbish compared to him. Look at it there in verse 8. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. It's all about making sure we gain Christ, making sure we're found in him, standing firm in him. And from verse 9, we really want Christ because of what he does, things he does that he alone can do, things that he does for us. From verse 9, Paul spells out three things that come to us in Christ, three things that give us a glimpse into why we count everything as rubbish compared to him, three things about what it means to gain Christ, one for the here and now, one for the rest of our lives, and one for eternity. The first is that in Christ we have God's righteousness now. In Christ you can be righteous before God. Righteousness in this context is uh, being right with God. It's to be in right relation to him. Not having any outstanding issues with God, which would mean he'd have to punish us, but to be on safe, good terms with God. Now, that is an extraordinary prospect, isn't it? 
we should all be chafing at the bit to be made righteous because we're all sinners. We've all got outstanding issues with God. We're all guilty of thinking, saying, doing and feeling things that run right against God. We've all lived in ways that displease and disgust God. We're all guilty before him. And come time, we'll have to pay. On our own, we're so far away from being in right relation to God, it's not funny. But it is scary. Here's the thing, though. When you gain Christ, God makes you righteous. He puts you right with him. Look at it there from the end of verse 8. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Paul wants to gain Christ so that he'll have righteousness, not a righteousness of his own, not making himself right with God. We thought about that last week. No, the only way we can be made right with God is if God does it for us. As Paul says in verse 9, our righteousness comes from God through faith in Christ. It's from God, not from you. God does it. And it's through faith. In other words, you have to trust God for it, which makes perfect sense because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We can't do anything to make ourselves righteous on our own. We're going to have to trust someone else to do it for us. And that someone else is the Lord Jesus. As Paul says, it's through faith in Christ. And that's because it's the Lord Jesus who has dealt with our sin. When he died on that cross, he was taking the punishment we deserve. It's our sin. But he took our place. He paid our fine. He suffered our sentence. In Christ... God took our sins against him and he dealt with it for us. It's like you're in court and you've been convicted of speeding and the judge determines the penalty is $3,000. He bangs down his gavel, the sentence is pronounced, it's final. But then the judge gets up, takes his wig off, walks over to the bailiff, gets out his wallet And the judge pays the fine for you. You're now right with the court because the judge himself has dealt with your offence. It's a bit like that with us in Christ. The judge himself has dealt with our offences. Christ's death is full payment for our sins. And so when our faith is in Christ, God makes us righteous. And what a relief that is. To not have to worry about my thousands of countless sins. To not have to be anxious about what God thinks of me. To not have to fear his judgment. To not have to try and earn God's favour. To be able to simply stop and relax in the kindness of God. No one but Christ can do this for you. It's the first reason why we want to gain Christ. And the second reason is because when you gain Christ, you get to be like him through life. For those who gain Christ, for the rest of our lives, God's working in us to make us like the Lord Jesus, to strip away our terrible sin and to make us like Jesus. Look at verse 10. Uh, Continuing to spell out what it means to gain Christ, Paul says, I want to know Christ Christ. 
and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. It's a bit of a challenging verse, they're pretty abstract ideas, I know. But clearly Paul's excited by these things and it's because these things are talking about God working within us, transforming us to be just like Jesus. The ideas of the power of Christ's resurrection, sharing in his sufferings, what Christ was like in his death, these ideas have already come up previously in the letter and I've put the references on your outline for you to chase up later. The bottom line of it all is that they're talking about God making us to be just like Jesus, which is what you want, isn't it? As the people of Christ, don't you long to be put off of all your old sinful habits Being made to be like Jesus, that's our dream come true. For God to be shaping us to think like Jesus thinks, to have the same priorities that Jesus had, having the contentment that he had, content to obey God even when life gets tough. And to see life clearly like Jesus did, knowing what life's about, and so being able to live well, Having the patience and trust in God the Father to finish life hard, right to the death. The same commitment and endurance that Christ had. To have the same selflessness that Christ had, the same humility as Jesus. This this is what we really want. When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like my dad. You know, he always seemed to know what was best. He always had answers for me. He could fix my problems. He could teach me things. He was reliable, thorough, respected. He had a fun side. It wasn't just that I liked him. I wanted to be him. I wanted to be just like him. You know, as good as my dad was, he's not a patch on Jesus. Jesus is who we really want to be like. He's the ultimate example of what it means to be truly human, to love God with all of our heart and soul. And as his people, we're convinced, aren't we, that he's the one we want to be like. And it's exactly what God is doing in us when we gain Christ. It's making us just like Jesus. And so we need to gain Christ to have God's righteousness now and because of becoming like Christ through life, Paul's last thing about gaining Christ is because of what he does for us into eternity. Because in Christ we have the hope of attaining the resurrection from the dead. Verse 10 again, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead to gain Christ is to be given the certain hope of life after death the assurance of the resurrection from the dead we'll think about this in more detail next week but as Christ was raised from the grave so too will we never to die again when you go to a funeral Even if you're paying just a little attention, you realise we need help, don't you? You There's no doctor that can help you when you're dead. No financial planner that can bail you out. No counsellor that can console you. No friend that can support you. But when you know Christ, he gives you life. 
even after the grave. And so this is why we want to gain Christ. Because in him there's righteousness from God, can you believe it? And right through our lives, God's making us to be just like Christ and an eternal life is in store. No wonder Paul says we're to consider all things as rubbish compared to Christ. And it's that little word consider that I want to spend a few moments thinking through now. Because Paul says it three times. Considering is the thing he repeats as to what we're to do with all of this. Now from verse 7, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. Verse 8, what is more, I consider everything as loss compared to Christ. And verse 8 again, I consider all things rubbish that I may gain Christ. Brothers and sisters, in the light of the glory of Christ, how good and how grand he is, we're to consider everything else as rubbish. Paul's talking about what regard we have for things, how we consider them. It's an activity of our minds. It's decisions we're making, conclusions we're reaching, what we think of things. This is a battle for our minds. And with the world constantly telling us the exact opposite of what God's telling us here, we need to be deliberately filling our minds with the truth of Christ. It's estimated that you and I will see 5,000 ads every single day of our lives. That's about an ad every 10 seconds of your waking life. If we're going to consider the things of this world as rubbish, we're going to need to flood our minds with the truth of Christ to combat this. And so we're going to be needing to read our Bibles because it's in the scriptures. That's where God will convince us that Christ is more precious. More than that, it's in his word that God will show us that Christ is worth losing everything for. In the Bible, God will, he displays the majesty of his son, even as we've done in small part this morning, thinking of the righteousness of God and the work of God and the eternal life of God, all given to us from his son. It's all in the scriptures where we'll know more and more of just how glorious the Lord Jesus is. And the more you know him, the more you'll value him. It's a little bit like this coin. There's a lot of old coins in the world, so just looking at it doesn't tell you if it's a particularly precious one or not. You have to look into it, do a bit of research, find out about it. I did. Turns out that this coin is worth a pretty penny. Pardon the pun. Because this is an 1804 silver dollar coin from the US. Now, I discovered the 1804 silver dollar was a special release because the government hadn't been minting silver dollar coins for around 30 years, counterfeiting problems. But they wanted to give coin sets to foreign dignitaries. And so for the occasion, they minted just a few 1804 silver dollar coins. There's only about 15 genuine ones in known existence. And so today... This coin is worth more than a million dollars. The more I found out about this coin, the more valuable I realised it was. It's the same with Jesus. The more you find out about him, the more you realise how valuable he is. And so you'll consider everything as rubbish compared to him. And so, brothers and sisters, let's be the people who dig into the scriptures. There is always more to discover about him. 
In three verses this morning, we've learned of God's righteousness in Christ, God's work in Christ, and the eternal life in Christ. Imagine what we'll find in the rest of the Bible. And so let's read God's word every day, multiple times. Feed from God's word so much that you end up with spiritual indigestion. If you're not sure what to read, why not just grab the next book of the Bible? Grab Colossians, read it over the next two weeks. Or if it's been a while since you read one of the Gospels, grab Mark. It's the shortest and the punchiest. Or if your Old Testament's got cobwebs, why don't you read Exodus? Really, it doesn't matter. The Lord Jesus makes everything else seem as rubbish, but we need to be filling our minds with his truth so that we'll consider everything else as rubbish compared to him. Because if you spend more time reading the junk mail than you do reading your Bible, well, you do know what will become more important to you, don't you? You'll end up valuing the weekly woolly specials more than Jesus. And if you spend more time reading the financial review than the Bible, well, you know what will become more important to you. Your money will trump Jesus. But it's not just money and stuff. Christ makes everything seem as rubbish. Even our health. So if you were to get cancer, some of you don't have to wait, sadly, But what's more important to us as followers of Christ? Getting over cancer or honouring Christ in our cancer? Now, don't get me wrong. Of course, it would be good to have our cancers beaten. But compared to knowing Christ, compared to gaining Christ, getting over cancer is like a bucket of cow manure. Not even worth comparing. Do you believe this? If it's sounding a little over the top, you just don't know how good Jesus is. Your God is too small. The Lord Jesus dwarfs anything and everything that this world can offer. And so we consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, our Lord, for whose sake we have lost all things. We consider them rubbish that we may gain Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that by your spirit and by your word, you would give us that deep conviction that Christ is all we need. And that, Father, we would value him so far above anything and everything else. Father, we want to gain Christ. And we thank you for giving him to us. And we pray that all our days we would only know him and love him, trust him and follow him more and more. For his honour and his glory we pray. Amen.